everyone and welcome to episode 27 of the Therapeutic Rainbow. I'm very happy to welcome Shelley Smith here today and she is the creator of Sunrise Wellbeing Centre. So welcome Shelley and thank you very much for coming today. Hi, thank you for having me. So do you want to tell us a bit more about who you are and the Sunrise Wellbeing Centre? Yes, absolutely. So my name is Shelley Smith and I'm an integrative psychotherapist and I work with children from age six, seven years old up to teenagers and adults as well. And I became a therapist about three years ago now um, on my journey, kind of opening my private practice before okay. becoming a therapist. My background was in education and special educational needs. So I worked at a sixth form college for 10 years. So okay. my role kind of grew, it was admissions officer. So it was based on student records and admin, but it grew into a role where you ended up kind of supporting people and thinking about how their futures and supporting them with their grades and what options were out there. And then when I had my daughter, I transitioned to having a term time only job. So I decided to train to be a teaching assistant in the secondary school okay and again then my passion grew for supporting young people and also the support for people with special educational needs okay so after my role at the secondary school kind of became an assistant sanko in secondary and then down to primary and the reason wow. I kind of went from sixth form right down to primary was because I just kind of felt if only this family had this support at this stage or if only okay, yeah. this young person had these tools and were heard and had the emotional you know strategies to manage these difficulties and especially with trauma and adversity and things like that my my passion just grew really strong to be able to get in as early as possible and to support people and to support families so then when my son went to school, when he was four, I decided to go to university, which was the first time that I'd been to university. Okay. Um, and I completed my foundation degree in children, families and community health. And then I was going to have a break. And then I thought, <laughs> no, I'm going to go and do a master's. Yeah. <laughs> Keep going. So then I did my master's in integrative psychotherapy at Derby, which was fantastic. Um, yeah, so I finished that, I completed my master's last year and opened my private practice in 2018. And then the dream was always to create a hub of support for people of all ages, kind of a one-stop shop where people can go for holistic and therapeutic support, advice, guidance. And um, yeah, the dream kind of became a reality. February last year, I found um, a house in Anstey and Leicester, which... Um, was rented to me as my business and it was all falling into place and then obviously March came and there was a lockdown and I thought yeah. right okay so this is a bit different I'm not sure how this is going to go um, but I'm so pleased that I did because the need is greater than ever and we've now got a wonderful team of associate therapists um, and holistic practitioners we offer training we offer parent consultations play therapy all sorts of things and yeah the feedback has been wonderful great to be able to support as many people as we can really especially at the moment absolutely it sounds amazing and as you know yeah. it's the dream here is to have the therapeutic rainbow center so i definitely see because as you say it's that holistic approach it's not just one person that needs to support it's the yeah. whole family and it's about being okay with that and offering that support mm. 
definitely. And I run um, training as well for schools and nurseries and preschools. And that's what we're always talking about, this holistic approach around the whole family. Um, because sometimes one-to-one -one sessions are needed for children and young people. But if we can work with the whole family, if we can work with the school and the college, you know, and the young person has kind of got a team of people, then they feel heard, they feel supported. We can put in place the strategies and see what's working and see what's not. And if things aren't working, then we can think of alternatives. So definitely it's all about kind of that family support. Absolutely. And you've mentioned briefly, but do you feel that since lockdown, I mean, at time of recording, we're kind of just coming out of what was it, the third lockdown. And do you feel that mental health is bigger than ever? In my opinion, I would say definitely yes. I think um, we've always had referrals from children and young people and adults, you know, struggling with anxiety, low mood, bereavement, um, a variety of different things. But recently, especially over the last three months, I would say the inquiries have, well, more than doubled. I'd say more than tripled because it's there's so many people struggling with anxiety. The transition back to socialising and back to school has been hard for many. Yeah. Often people have been in lockdown, if they've been shielding, they've had minimal contact, so they've been left with their own thoughts, you know, those negative thoughts or intrusive thoughts that are going round and round. People haven't had the same distractions and the same, you know, fun things, the distractions that they'd normally have. So again, they've been left in this kind of vicious cycle going round and, and many people at the moment are feeling overwhelmed, you know, quite anxious about going yeah. back to going outside and meeting people and, and the rules and things like that. So yeah, in my opinion, I would say it's definitely had a massive impact on people's mental health and well-being of all ages. Yeah. So I guess thinking about that then, what do you think are like the top tips that you would say to support that mental health? Is it chatting to people? Is it finding alternative therapies? What can we do to kind of help support the listeners to the podcast? I think one of the big things at the moment is recognising how we talk to ourselves, because when we identify how we talk to ourselves, we can then unpick if it's nice, if it's yeah. kind, or if our mind's being a bit of a bully. And often when you verbally say out loud what we're saying to ourselves, it's horrible. You know, we'd never dream of saying it to anybody else. We can be really good at being kind to others, but having self-compassion can be one of the hardest things. So I think sometimes just, you know, if you're feeling overwhelmed and you're having these thoughts, these kind of pop-up thoughts that keep coming in every single day, sometimes it's helpful to write them down. Sometimes okay, yeah. it's helpful to say them out loud so we can think about what they are and then look at alternative thoughts as well. Because sometimes, you know, if your mind's going, you're not going to be able to cope, you know, you're, you're stupid, nobody's going to like you, you're not good enough, all of those thoughts. If we can try and flip our thinking to the opposite, even if we don't believe them to start with, you know, the more we practice that, the more our mind is going to hear it because it's going to believe the things we tell it. So I would say that's one of the top things that I'm talking to lots of my clients about at the moment. It's that flip that mindset really, isn't it? As you say, it's actually yeah. reframing the way we're thinking. And that can be taught as young as children, right? Absolutely. And yeah. some of the children and young people that I'm working with now, you know, they might have anxiety about getting up and going to school. You know, they might be 
feel like that's a scary thing, that's a threat to actually go to school, or it might be tests and assessments, which is obviously a very common thing that's been around for a long time. But if we can recognise how they're talking to themselves and almost kind of give them a positive script or an accurate script of things that they can say, it can make a huge difference. And, you know, I've seen it in many children where they've been able to change that mindset and they've, they've come back to me and they've said, I did it, I, I didn't believe it, but I told myself it the night before, I wrote it on a post note put them all up around my mirror said it to myself in the morning and I did it and it does it brings that confidence and it brings that positivity and in, again that sense of feeling in control which is huge absolutely and as you say it's for working with the children and as an adult if we can say I am amazing I can do this yeah. then the mindset to our children is okay well mummy believed it mummy didn't think yeah. she could and I was speaking yeah. to like one of the podcast ladies the other day about actually she does it all through music that reaffirming and it works yeah. we play the songs and Absolutely. we were we did a rock climbing the other day and I said to Anya yeah. oh mummy's a bit scared she went mummy just believe and it will happen oh how lovely yeah but it, but it is, is if we yeah if we can talk to ourselves like that and we can promote that as you know children are always listening to us aren't they yeah. as well and they're learning from us so if we can show them that you know it's okay to sometimes feel sad it's okay to feel anxious and worried they're absolutely valid feelings but what we can do is try and flip that thinking so that we can think yeah actually I'm going to give this a go I can do this um because yeah it does really help and I think as you say sometimes parents children adults in general struggle with knowing that it's okay to feel like that and I think mm. with everything that I'm doing with the podcast if that's something that can change that it's okay to feel anger anxious worried mm. sad but it's what you do with that afterwards yeah definitely and I think again for parents teachers you know preschool workers to just normalize all feelings because sometimes yeah. children they think well it's okay to be happy I know that anger's a feeling, but I don't actually know all these ones in the middle. Yeah. So just helping children to recognise, well, what is worried? How does it feel in the body? When Do you remember a time when you were worried or sad? Because then it's like, oh, right, okay, it's okay if I feel like that. I'm not wrong for feeling like that, and I can ask for help. So I think, again, that's one of the other top tips is to just check in with ourselves, you know, and think, well, how am I feeling today? Because sometimes we are so busy. Even five- and six-year-olds are so busy every day, you know. When do we actually stop and just pause and think, well, what is going on for me today? How do I feel? Yeah. And as you say, making that part of an everyday dialogue, checking in and if they don't have the words, making it into colours or making it into a number scale if they find that easier. But again, it's about normalising it, recognising it, being aware of it. And as you say, I think it can be taught from a very young age. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm working with many nurseries where we're implementing characters, you know, inside out characters yeah. or emojis and display charts and puppets and things like that. And it is, you can start, you know, as early as nursery, you can be normalising emotions and giving them the tools to be able to express their worries and their sadness or their anxiety, even if they don't have that emotional literacy, you know, they, they will point to facial expressions and characters and sounds and things like that or like you said color you know thinking about color or, or textures how does how do they make them feel um yeah. looking in a mirror looking at facial expressions that way you know what does it look like to see an angry face or a sad face or a happy face 
so much you can do at a young age. Yeah, and I think especially now with the world that we've just gone through with the last year and nearly year and a half, it's actually even more now we need to talk about feelings. We need to speak to our children about how they are feeling and why they might be feeling like that because what we don't want to happen is this mental health crisis to get worse. Mm, yeah and I think it's also important to recognize that not everybody is comfortable talking about feelings because you know I talk about feelings all day every day but I know that that doesn't come easy for some people especially if they've come from a household where they don't talk about feelings and maybe again it's acceptable to be happy and angry but it's not acceptable to say you're worried or sad and people can develop that belief can't they that if I show that I'm scared or if I if I say that I'm anxious then I'm going to be afraid and it's a sign of weakness and things like that um and I think again just talking about resilience and being brave and that actually you know saying actually I'm not okay yeah. or I need help with or I'm feeling a bit nervous yeah. things like that it's it, it's things like that that can actually help you know being brave is actually recognizing that and asking for help not not being brave and holding it all in and being this strong thing that just everything can be thrown at them and they can deal with it because that's just not human life Yeah, absolutely. So I guess going forward, then it is about kind of showing parents, showing teachers, showing the young people all about this kind of range of feelings and what we can do with it and recognising it and finding ways of reframing it and self-care, really. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah. And it can be simple things, like we said, like using feelings charts or or like the mood stars that I have like with the little faces on and you can make your own if if you're working with a child or you have a child that's interested in lego you know you can create your own emotions chart using different characters or dinosaurs or you know all sorts of things there's so much and and children like to be involved in these things yeah and it's it's also important to use their language because I might look at an anxious face and think oh that's anxious but a child might say oh that's actually that reminds me of when I have a wobble or a tizzy or something like that so I think that's important to recognize their language because that's what they identify with and we were talking about that the other day when we were looking at the color monster book which I know you've done Mm. a lot of at the sunrise well-being center because to my girls the colors are the wrong way around because Mm. the colors feel different to them and I was saying well this is what the book shows them but actually Mm. what would your sad color look like or what would your angry color and as you say it's about targeting your own individual children that you're working Mm. with and making their own the color monsters all about this mixed up feelings isn't it and trying to separate them but as you say it's about making sure that you do stick to the child because I know for Mm. me blue is my favorite color so I wouldn't choose it as sadness so yeah And that's what I see a lot in my work as well. You know, when I say, you know, what colour would you choose for anger? I would say most children would choose red. But I know that I have some children that red is their favourite colour and they wouldn't associate anger with red at all. So, yeah, it's important that we're working with the child and giving them the ownership over it because it is personalised to them. Yeah. So going forward then, so we've got flipping the thoughts, we've got resilience, we've got kind of talking about emotions there are there any other kind of top tips that we can think about that we can help both the young people that parents might be listening but also the parents and professionals themselves because I think we talk a lot on the podcast about that parent guilt and self-care but I think it's fundamental that they look after themselves yeah and I think we need to be promoting that 
professionally but also personally and I know that that is really really hard to do you know most professionals I speak to most therapists I speak to it's really hard to practice what you preach especially at the moment when you know we're trying to support as many people as possible especially if you know you're running your own business and things like that the work doesn't stop so again you've got that family work-life balance and with that does come huge amounts of guilt I often describe it as, you know, say if you've got three parts, you might be managing two really well, but the other one feels like it's collapsing. So it's really trying to sometimes be realistic with your expectations, I think. But also, again, physically, your body knows. So for myself, I've never really suffered with stress. I've been stressed, but I've never really suffered from it. But I know recently my body's been saying, no, Shelley, you need to stop. You need to, you know, make time for yourself. And I've really had to check in and think actually yeah I do I've got to I'm in this job because I care and I want to support people but if I'm not looking after myself then actually I'm not going to be any good to anybody so definitely getting out there for a walk going and playing you know on a Saturday finding a rope swing you know jumping around dancing in your kitchen all of those things that's really important because we don't want to lose that yeah because we're all important too yeah Yeah, I was only I was looking after my friend's little boy the other day and I was trying to climb up he went but auntie Tash is just too big and I was like no child no I'm never (laughs) too big to climb and he went but you might break it I went yeah but I can give it a good go yeah and if it breaks you can always fix it (laughs) yeah but he was looking at me at the age of three going you're mad auntie Tash yeah (laughs) yeah uh, I think I think having fun and not forgetting to play is just so important because yeah. sometimes you are so busy you get swept away don't you and you can work all hours you know every day but it's it is making that pot of time where you can just sit and watch a film you can eat your favorite food or go go outside and be in the sunshine or, or in the rain you know it doesn't matter yeah absolutely and not feel guilty about it to just enjoy it and to kind of live in the moment and to kind of just be I think sometimes as you say we're juggling so many things we forget to just stop pause and be present with where we are and yeah I think especially with the world right now and technology and everything it takes over sometimes Mm. and it does it does and you before you know it you know you've looked at one thing on your phone and you're on to the 20th thing you know you get swept away and you're following you know different accounts or checking your emails or phone calls messages things like that and it is it's important just to think I'm just going to be in the moment um, and you know even going on a walk or on a drive you know thinking about what you can see and what you can hear yeah. rather than just thinking about your thoughts while you're on that journey um yeah it's definitely so important and it just allows you to recharge I think yeah, definitely. So you're based in Leicester, but can people find you from wherever they are, or is it just yeah? Yeah. So we're based. So the centre's based in Anstey, which is in Leicestershire. Um, so predominantly, our clients come from Leicester, but we also because now we can work remotely. You know, we have people that have sessions with our therapists and our practitioners online that come from all over the UK and then we also when we run workshops because they've been online recently we've been able to target people all over so it's fantastic I mean that's one of the positives that's come out of this we have adapted our services to meet different people's needs and different locations Um, but yeah we are quite close to the A50 so we do have people come from Derbyshire, Nottingham, Market Harbour all over really so yeah and And you've got a very Yeah, very vibrant Instagram and Facebook that people can find you on. Is that right? 
yeah, yeah, we've got our Facebook page, so it's Sunrise Wellbeing, and then we've got Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, all of them. So try and keep them as up to date as possible. And also sharing positive quotes along the way, because I think that keeps us going sometimes. And just connecting with other people, because I think that's important for support. Absolutely. It's how we found each other. And I definitely think it's yeah. about spreading that message. Everyone's there for the same reason. We're all there to mm. try and support people with their mental health and well-being and look after each other. So if we can mm. help as many people by kind of spreading that message, mm. that's what we're thinking about. So yeah, I ask everyone at the end of the podcast, then, if they had a pot of gold at the end of their rainbow, what would it be filled with? So what would yours be filled with? So I think what my pot would be filled with and I think I'd, sh- I'd try and share this with everybody is hope because I think that's the one thing that has kept a lot of people going especially over the last year and a bit like yourself I'm obsessed with rainbows and I know that's I was I loved rainbows before but rain- rainbows has become a, like a symbol of hope hasn't it and yeah, you know rainbows in the windows and rainbows as you go around and um, on different signs and things but I definitely think hope can make such a difference because when you don't have hope you can feel overwhelmed out of control you can think what's the point and even if you just have a tiny bit of hope and you've got that kind of support network around you I do think that can make a big big difference definitely well yeah. thank you so much for coming on today and spreading your messages of hope and keep going mm-hmm. with all the great work And I will catch up with you soon. Thank you, everyone, for listening. And I will see you all next week. Take care for now. Bye-bye.